everybody praying for me. Y'all know what happens on earth stays on earth. Here we go. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a I don't give a I don't give a fuck. Hello there. It takes about three seconds flat upon coming into this life to realize that pain is a part of life. And yet, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, today my goal is to have a really painful day. In fact, most of us spend our entire lives trying to avoid pain. That's our entire prerogative. Take a look at our lives. While there are some things we do specifically because we're following our joy, the bulk of things we do in our life we do specifically to avoid and escape pain. We go to school and then work so we can guarantee we won't feel the pain of being broke. We try to be as careful as possible with selecting a partner who is a safe bet so we don't have to feel the pain of heartbreak. We get married so we can guarantee we don't feel the pain of separation. We take that pill so we don't have to feel the residual pain of previous traumas in our emotional body. We put money in a retirement fund so we don't have to feel the pain of working forever. We watch this very video on the meaning of pain specifically so we can learn how to escape our pain. Take a look at your life. Take a look at how your life is designed specifically to avoid pain. Suffering is about perception. It's about you adding painful meaning to the experience of the painful thing that you are experiencing or the pain itself. I think a general truth is that when you find yourself really suffering for whatever reason, it's helpful to look at people who have much more serious suffering struggles and put your own suffering into, into perspective. So in this video I have a clip from a guy named Luke who lives um, in Los Angeles and he's homeless and he talks about what it's like to live on Skid Row. And then I have a few clips by a rapper named Nipsey Hussle who died a couple years ago. And he talks about um, what it's like to live based on survival and then how he's getting out of it. So I think those give a interesting sentiment to reflect on relative to one's own suffering. And I also wanted to add that the reason we're able to feel empathy with people of all different experiences is because it's possible to feel pain and great pain in so many different scenarios for so many different reasons. And this is a brilliant thing about the human condition that we can genuinely have compassion because you might have grown up in a completely scenario, different scenario than someone else, but you're able to feel their pain in a way. But the real point of that I want to make in this episode is that if we see things rightly, we can notice how, in a way to reduce our own pain, we can notice, whoa, like, um, the weight in my life is so much less than so many other people's. Maybe the weight of your pain isn't, but that's the whole point. Like, once you are able to sort of embrace your pain rather than run for it, run from it like think about all the people that have families that have that have so many fundamental needs fulfilled that billions of other people in the world don't have yet they're overcome by their own pain and go into lots of um, destructive behaviors if those people that have the more advantageous 
position relative to others can find a gratitude in that fact and use it as a bit of a fuel to um, lean into their pain and finally process it instead of avoid it, that is a really beautiful thing. Luke, we're here in Los Angeles. You're homeless. Tell me about it. Um, well, there's a lot to tell. Um, Los Angeles is a very, very crazy place. Um, I came here with my wife. Um, fam her family said, come on. Um, we got on a uh, Greyhound bus. We came we're on our way. We started calling the first day. We left and no answer. We figured just a fluke. Uh, called the second day, no answer. And from then on, no answer. We haven't spoke to them since. You come here and you, you come here and you get stuck. And if you got nowhere to go and no real family to bail you out, which me and my wife don't have, you kind of are forced to go to Skid Row. Uh, Skid Row is by the bus station. It's, it's where all the shelters are. It's where all the food is. It's where all the resources are uh, located, but Skid Row is a very nasty place. Um, it, it, yeah, go it, on. It, it will make it so you are constantly just worried about what you need to survive because everything's being taken from you. You're being taxed for living on certain streets. You have to pay. Um, basically, drugs run most of Los Angeles itself, but especially Skid Row. Um, Skid Row um, hurt me in, in, in ways that I can't ever explain. It, it made me do things, it made me see things that I wish I never would have seen. Um, it's amazing what people can do to other people. Um, You're gonna have to, I can't hear you with the tra traffic. It's amazing what people can do to other people. Um, I especially feel bad for the females here. They get used up in, in, in a whole different way. Um, my wife experienced that. Um, but ultimately, I've seen some great acts of kindness here. Um, I've seen some great things. The problem is you get trapped here. And people say, I panhandle for money. People say, get a job. Okay, well, if I had somewhere to rest my head where my stuff wasn't stolen, where I didn't have to worry about blankets, where I didn't have to worry about food, um, I might be able to get a job. But then also, I've been seen through this entire town now, and now I'm known as homeless. So to get a job, I have to leave the area. Um, I have nowhere to shower daily. I have nowhere to keep work clothes. Um, it's not as easy as get a job, you know. Um, and you don't get much sleep. No, right. Because you're in survival mode. And the other night I met somebody, and it's, she is a stone while yeah. I was sleeping. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, that's a very funny uh, thing. Your shoes get stolen a lot while you're here. Um, <laughs> and who steals a homeless man's shoes? Your shoes can be completely worthless, and someone still takes them. And that's a really hard thing because you wake up in the morning and you've got no shoes. Now you got to walk around where people throw broken glass, um, people piss on the on the ground, cockroaches, um, and you got to look for shoes. And that's that's very disheartening. It, that's one of the strangest things I've come across here. I've had shoes that are completely worthless and stink so bad it's unreal, and someone still takes them. Um, but it's also sharpened me. I don't miss a beat. There isn't too much. I'm I'm pretty in tune with everything and everyone around me. Um, I'm a lot more aware than they are, I, I, I assume. Um, People who have spent time on the streets are very aware of their surroundings. You have to be. You have to be, because if not, your surroundings will get you. You know, especially on Skid Row. You know, I don't go there at all anymore. Um, I, I broke from Skid Row about six months ago, and I haven't been there for a single thing. I broke from there for a reason somebody started trying to tax us, um, just on panhandling, bringing money back. They wanted us to give them a percentage. 
And then they started doubling it and doubling it and doubling it until the number got so astronomical that there's no way anybody could ever pay. It. And it's extort they're they're Extortion. threatening. Yeah. They're threatening yeah. violence or whatever right. Right. if you don't pay the tax. They'll burn their tent on, you know. I've had thirteen whole tents stolen. I, I just got jumped the other day. I've been jumped thirteen times. Um Ten of which I don't know the person, or the person is completely, absolutely insane, and I still don't know them, and, or I've never even seen the person who hits me because they're robbing me in an alley, you know. And it's it's just it's been hard, you know. But you survive. You find things like God. You find things like yourself. You find what you're made of, you know. Um, you can't break me. You can't break my 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 faith. Is anybody helping you? Yeah, not really, not really, really. Um, people throw me some money here and there, some food here and there, socks, as you did. Um, but things are so expensive here as well, like a hot dog behind me, $7. You know how long it takes me to sit down and make $7? You know? Um, everything down here is a lot more expensive too. Well, so people think you make all kinds of money panhandling. There are days I do. There are days I do all right. But that money goes really fast because it costs a lot to live. You know, especially with a wife. You know, three meals a day, you know, um, you splurge sometimes, socks, new clothes, you know, a shower is a really hard thing. Um, what people don't understand, it's, you know, this is not a job that gives you self-esteem. Yeah, no. They're handling no. people spit at you, call your yeah. names, oh, yeah. pour coffee on you. Yeah, right, right. You, but you have to be ready for that, like, and it gets to the point where, it doesn't even matter. You, you don't care because you need it so bad, right. you know. And survival comes first. And we as human beings will do anything to survive. You know? Now, is is like when I said anybody, any service providers, any homeless? They try, but I can't keep I can't keep a cell phone because it gets stolen. I can't keep a cell phone charged when I do about it. Um, there are people that stop by once in a while and take down my name and my information and say they're going to help. And then I see them again, maybe two or three times here and there. Or I see them again and they turn their head and walk the other way and feel uh, ashamed they didn't help me um, or couldn't help me. I have people that throw me $10, $20 and think that's going to solve everything. And next time they're mad at me because I'm off the street because they're turning $20. But I'm at a point where I'm stuck. This is what I do. Um, I've become comfortable with it. Um, I don't see no other way out. Like I said, I feel like I'm falling and never hitting a bottom or at least hitting a bottom that's false and every time I go to try to climb out that bottom's pulled for me and I fall more. If I could reach an absolute solid bottom I might be able to climb out but there is no real bottom because it's always it's always being pulled out from under you you're always falling further. What's your future like? I'm not sure that's in God's hands God's in my hands you know because I do choose what I do you know but the opportunities that are out there are harder when you're homeless and you've been seen as homeless and when you have to do this all day just to eat you know um my story goes a little deeper than that my wife got pregnant um to uh, a prostitute she's a prostitute she got pregnant um at the end of her pregnancy she started having seizures so she got diagnosed with brain cancer so and she's scared to death of the treatment because the treatment's like 80 percent uh 80 percent risk of death it's just it seems like it can't get worse. It only seems to get so far. I've been jumped by the Cubans. <laughs> I've been, I can write a book. I can honestly write a book. You know, the only thing I really have to say to anybody is just appreciate family because family is the one thing I don't have that might save me from this. 
because when you mess up, you make a mistake, most people got family fail them off. I don't need as my wife. So we gotta eat this one ourselves. We gotta find our way out ourselves. And so appreciate family. They're the most important thing. And don't judge because a lot of these people are two missed paychecks and no family away from being right here. You know, and it can happen really quick. It really can. Before you know it, and you're stuck. You know? If you had three wishes, what would they be? It's hard. It's hard. I haven't thought of, of, I haven't wished for anything in so long because I'm just worried about getting what I need. Um, that's a hard one. I, that, like, I wish for my wife to be better. I wish I had family. And I, I don't know what I'd do with the third. But I give it away. Thank you very much for talking to me. You're very welcome. There's no one answer to, to how you change the hood or change the, the, the reality of what goes on. But what you gotta think about is when you don't have resources, you in survival mode. You know, so being in survival mode automatically rules out a lot of things because you don't care about morality because you don't experience morality. You experience, you know, the need to survive. You don't experience, you know, fairness. You don't experience planning for the future. You just experience my ribs touching. You know what I mean? And it's better me than you. And you know, it's a survival instinct that kick in. So I think once you get out of the survival mode, your, your morals come back closer to, to your daily decision making. You start thinking about what's right and what do I believe in? But until you get out of survival mode, you ain't got time to be worrying about right and wrong. You worrying about bottom line. You know what I mean? By any means necessary. So I think that Economics is the answer. Empowering people economically is how you really, really impact. But I don't know if it's about dropping a bag of money in the hood. I think it's about impacting culture in a way that, you know, the mentality changes. And then also, you know, the, the institutions that exist, it's just a prison institution, really. It's like a pipeline of jail. It, it, ain't, it ain't no, no, no constructive institutions, for real, that meets you ground level. It's just like, if you fuck up, we, gonna, we got somewhere to put you. So it's like a fear-based, preventative approach. Then like, some love. And like, we know y'all going through a struggle. And we know y'all could use an art center or a, you know what I mean, a studio compound or entrepreneurial space. It's like, whatever going on, if you can't figure it out, we gonna lock you up, bro. So whatever it is, yeah, it's on y'all. I think like you get people out of survival mode, they start thinking different. I did, you know, when I when I figured out, you know, how to how to get myself out of the situation, my approach to life and people was different. I wasn't so angry, I didn't have my guard up, I wasn't so aggressive, I wasn't so, you know, expecting if you ain't helping me, fuck you. It wasn't that wasn't the mentality no more. And I can't blame nobody, you know what I mean, that's thinking about how they gonna pay their rent or like going through not having food at the house, being young and having to go outside to hustle for, for to feed themselves with school clothes. That's gonna change people, that's gonna make you feel away. And you can't fault them, you just gotta kinda empathize with the, with the scenario. 
and understand you put a, a person in, in survival mode, they're gonna survive by any means. Um, I, I couldn't make a blanket statement to just the young people doing dirt. I don't think that's honest. You know what I mean? It's context for everything. Nothing happens in a vacuum, you know? But I would say that, you know what I mean? You're gonna lay in the bed you make. You're not gonna get away with nothing in terms of the energy. You know what I mean? You might beat the, the camera or the police. They might not catch you for what you're doing, but the energy is always gonna return to you. So when you when you just living in this in this cycle of being negative all day and just putting out negativity and, and that's the only energy you putting out, it's gonna return to you in different form than you put it out in. So I would just say, you know, master your energy. Do your best to master your energy and your and what you put out, you know, and um unless that's what you want. You know, because you you entitled to whatever you want to create, whatever experience you want to create for yourself. But if you're tired of that shit, adjust the energy. You know what I mean? As best you can, adjust adjust what you wake up thinking and what you say, and then lastly, what you do. And that's not an easy thing to do because it's it's such a pressure in the, in the, in these areas to just go by the, the way things are. But you know. It's a lot of examples that you could look up to as young kids in the streets. You could look up to a, you know, a Kendrick Lamar. Not the words, forget what he's saying, just where he came from. I seen him, you could, you could YouTube him freestyling the Nicholson Garden Projects. You could look up to a Nip Hustle. You know, you could look up to a YG, you know what I mean? To a, a top dog, you know what I mean? To, to a, any one of these guys that came from this, this, this hopelessness. And, and, you know, wiggle their way through it. You know what I mean? And you can reverse engineer what they did. You know, look at the steps, what, what, what happened. You know, so I would say that. region of the West Coast. Uh, so immediately when I got my situation off the ground and I had a budget behind me and I had a, a machine behind me, I was like, we gotta take trips, we gotta go out here and, and hit these cities and, and touch these people and, and do what they do. I'm a West Coast nigga, but I was on all the East Coast outlets freestyling with the DJs, dropping mixtapes, doing the street DVDs, you know what I mean? So I was, I was doing what a New York artist do to break itself in New York, as well as doing what a LA artist do to break itself out here. So, you know, it was just like, we wanted to connect all the dots. I recently seen you mention that around this time last year, you were sitting in a jail cell thinking your life might not be going in the right places. So, as we sit here today, we can see that that's changed. So talk to us a little bit about the transformation your life has made in the last few years, from struggles and hardships to the success and stardom you're going towards now. Yeah, um, number one, you know, I just feel better, homie. I sleep better, you know what I mean? I just, I got a, a level of like, I'm at peace with what I'm doing. I feel good about what I'm waking up doing and about my lifestyle. At one point, I, didn't, I, I wasn't proud of my lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't content with what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. I wasn't happy with that. So it was eating at me. Even right. though I'd be on the surface, cool and straight, deep down I wasn't, I knew that this wasn't the direction of what I need to be doing. Now I wake up with the feeling that I'm going in the direction that I'm here for. Like what I'm on this planet for, I'm doing it. Right, right. Bigger than just the LA, bigger than some gang banging, bigger than some street shit, just on some some human shit. I'm, I'm I'm doing what I'm here to do. I feel like so it feel good and uh you know I got a lot of confidence. I got a lot of um, confirmation from my hard work that that it's going in the right direction that I'm doing something right because you know like you said a lot of people starting to gravitate toward the movement and toward the music. So you know what I mean I just want to keep working hard, keep doing classic shit, make good music and and, and you know. Hit a grand slam when the, when the album dropped.
Okay. And, uh, you know, studying up on you, I've seen a lot of the stuff you went through. I've seen you had to deal with lots of police raids and yeah. some of the businesses get targeted and, yeah. and obviously have to deal with the troubles that come with gang life as well. Yeah. So when you sit there and you see that things are starting to change, do you feel like you're ready to knock out the music industry challenges because of what you faced? So, like, do you feel like them struggles help yeah. prepare you? Yeah. I mean, the struggles that, that we, that we um, went through and overcame and still going through most definitely just gave us a mentality. When I say us, I mean me and my team and my brothers. The mentality that, you know, this is nothing. If we could if we could make it past that and when it looked like it was all over and there was no hope and it was, you know, the end of the road and it was just like we was all at our lowest of low, but but we still moved past that and it's starting to rise again and starting to recover and bounce back. So whatever speed bumps we come across in this music industry, it doesn't compare to, you know what I'm saying, being targeted by the law, doing time. You know what I mean? Going through wars out here in the streets, losing loved ones, all that. You know what I mean? So whatever little speed bump we'll come across in this industry is going it's gonna seem like, you know, it's not too much of nothing. It's gonna be a little burden probably or, you know, a little pressure, but compared to what the, our life was before this, you know what I mean? It's just like no brainer, just keep pushing, I'm gonna roll through this shit. How do you feel like them things have affected you musically? I think being so hopeless at one point and then having an opportunity make you go harder and make you get in that booth and just really express that hopelessness like man y'all don't understand this is like you know what i mean you dig from a different place that that bottom of your soul that pit homie where your where, where you felt like the shit was you you know what i'm saying you always wanted but it looked like it was just not gonna happen it looked like it was out of reach it looked like it was just knee deep in, in some in some concrete quicksand and it wasn't gonna let you go but now to be in a situation when, you know what I mean, you can speak and touch hundreds of thousands and millions of motherfuckers, like, you definitely dig from a real place and a sincere place that I think connect with a lot of people. From, from my sister to my little cousins and, and to other, other siblings around me that, that's, that's coming up, how can I be a voice for all these people around the world and can't reach them like, like I want to? Uh, and they're the closest to me. That's a trip. That's that's that's, that's truly a trip to me. And um, every everybody go through trials and tribulations and, and, and make mistakes. But for me personally, somebody else's mistake, I I tend to fault myself. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, yeah. man. Yeah. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. A lot. But you know, I don't know. I, I can't I can't really have a, a a true reason behind it. But mm -hmm. I, I think this is just. just how I, was, how I was raised and how I was born, you know? Okay. That right after you comes, all right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it almost seems, I almost feel guilty for going through something so deep as you. Mm. And then I, in the car the other day, and yeah, all right yeah. came on right after, and then I'm just like, Back. yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. it feels like it don't happen that quick. Or, or when, when was the realization for you that you're going to be all right, that we're going to be all right? That I'm going to be all right. Um, The more and more I got to, to, to travel, when I went to Africa and I got to see other people's problems, you know, they struggle maybe 10 times harder, you know, and was raised, you know, crazier than what I was. Mm -hmm. um, going out there really inspired, I wrote a lot of records mm -hmm. off the album just by visiting South Africa and, and, and being able to move around like I did. And that was the moment I knew, okay, I can either pimp this situation yeah. or I can fall victim to it. You know what I mean? 
And uh, that was a turning point. This is not your fault. You are wired just like every organism on this planet for the continual and perpetual movement away from pain and towards pleasure. This benefits your survival, obviously. If you weren't programmed to avoid pain and to go gain pleasure, you wouldn't live very long on this earth. This is not in and of itself a tormenting process until painful meaning is added to the pain we experience, until we make the pain mean something. All too often, when we think pain is bad, we shoot the messenger. Pain calls for presence. When we go into pain, it puts others in the position of providing their presence, often in the form of assistance. It unites us in this way. It equalizes us and forces a shared experience. This has powerful implication as it applies to ourselves as well. 
Pain calls us powerfully into the present moment. It causes us to be fully with ourselves. So much of our affliction on this planet is the fact that we try to escape ourselves all day every day. We're never fully present with ourselves or present in the now. So pain calls us into the profound spiritual practice of becoming present, which is the opposite of self-abandonment. Pain is the catalyst for universal expansion. Universal expansion takes place as a result of personal expansion. And how do we expand? We form preferences. Pain alerts us to what is unwanted, so that we have acute awareness of what is wanted, and thus can go in the direction of that very thing. And thus we expand. The entire process we call evolution is in fact the byproduct of pain. Discomfort triggers wanting, and that wanting triggers an evolutionary process by which we align with our desires. Pain creates an empowered person. Each time we feel pain, we must search for the cause. By looking for the cause, we have to face the fears that are inherent within our body and our being. We have to face what we are trying to avoid. By doing this, we become more and more non-reactive, more and more present with ourselves, more and more comfortable with facing fears until the things we fear lose their power over us. We develop a kind of graceful immunity. Pain is contrast. We need contrast to understand anything or to become aware. We need white to understand black. We need black to understand white. The contrast of pain is absolutely necessary for us to even comprehend the concept or experience joy. We could never experience pleasure without knowing pain. In this way, pain enriches positive emotional states and increases our capacity for pleasure. To the degree that we have suffered, we are capable of the opposing level of joy. Pain is also the seed of compassion. We must know pain to recognize it in another. We must know pain to care enough to create a world that is free from suffering. Pain is the catalyst to improving all of your relationships. Your relationship with life, your relationship with other people, your relationship with the universe at large, and your relationship with yourself. Pain becomes suffering when pain is not responded to with presence. When we try to deny, suppress, disown, reject our pain. And also when we add painful meaning to our pain.